Hello, and welcome to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Uh, Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan, and is led by Pastor Daniel White. Uh, Today we're going to be joining Pastor White as he continues his series on the family. So let's get out our Bibles and get ready to join Pastor White as he teaches us about God's plan for home and the family. All right, let's uh, take our Bible here tonight. And let's turn to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians 15. Over the past couple of weeks, there's been several people who have either texted me or called me, and they're looking for messages on our website. And so I'm, I'm very unfamiliar with our website. I don't, I don't get online and do any of that. So I thought, well, let me just see if I can find the messages. So I went online, went to sermons. I couldn't find the messages there. Evidently, they had not been uploaded yet. And I thought, I know Sunday's message has to be there somewhere. And I eventually found it in Facebook. And so I thought, you know what? I'm just going to listen to a little bit of the message. And so I listened to just a few words on, you know, as I started preaching. I'm like, wow, he is a terrible preacher. I'm not going <laughs> to listen to him. Actually, I felt sorry for you. You listen to yourself. I'm sorry for you guys having to listen to me all the time. So I ran all the way to the end. You know, I just cut a little clip in the front, went all the way to the end, and we were having the invitation, and I was singing. And they didn't turn my mic off. And I'm like, that is horrible. (laughs) So I got right on him. I said, listen, you guys, when I get up there for the invitation, turn my mic off because it will ruin the work of the Holy Spirit in people's lives. Goodness sakes. So I'm thankful for those who can sing and for those good preachers you can watch on YouTube. Okay. Just kidding. First Corinthians. What did we talk about last week? Spiritual leadership. I'm glad one person remembered it. Spiritual leadership. Okay? We really directed it to the men, but there was a lot there for all of us as well as it pertained to our walk and relationship with the Lord. If you were not here last week, make sure you go online and listen to that message on spiritual leadership. Now, as we finished that message, we talked about the importance of a spiritual leader having convictions in their lives. And that's where we ended. I said, we're going to come back to that this week. So the title tonight is Becoming Men. Throw the women in there too. Becoming Men and Women Who Have Strong Biblical Convictions. It says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye what? I can't hear you. What? Steadfast. Let's everyone say it together. Be ye steadfast. Now to me, that's talking about having convictions. Be ye steadfast. And what's the next word? Unmovable. Again, another depiction of a person who has convictions in their lives. They are steadfast. They are unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now, it is really hard-pressed to find people today that have biblical convictions. And so we want to look at this whole issue tonight of having convictions. 
Being a leader, let me see if I can go back here. I think I jumped ahead a little bit. Being an effective spiritual leader means that you are someone that others can follow. And to me, I would never want to follow someone who's wishy-washy. Someone who you really never knew where they stood on a certain issue, on a certain topic, or on a certain doctrine. If I wanted to follow someone, I would want to know this is what this person believes, and that person stands steadfast in their belief. Now, to me, that establishes effective spiritual leadership. So, men, if you don't have that, you really cannot be an effective spiritual leader of your family. Now, I have about 75 slides tonight, and so we're going to move really quickly through this, and I may not read all of these verses in detail, but I did underline some words that I think are important to us to understand. What's the first word that I have underlined there? Holding. Hold on to it. Hold steadfast to your convictions. Another, holding fast the faithful. We're hold fast to your convictions. Another one here, steadfast, unmovable, which we just read. Another one, steadfast. I'm going to read this whole verse. A stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not what? Steadfast. steadfast. They didn't have convictions. They did not have convictions. It is so important for us to have convictions. And so let me ask you a question. What should our convictions be based upon? Should be based upon the word of God. And we'll see that tonight. Therefore, my brethren, be steadfast and hold the traditions. Of course, we're talking about biblical traditions there. As ye have been taught. Another steadfast statement. Another, that we be not tossed, what? To and fro. Someone without convictions is what? They're tossed to and fro. They're not steadfast in their beliefs and their convictions. I think this is an important verse. This is Paul's discipleship of Timothy, who was a very young man. He said, the same things that I have been teaching you, you teach to others, but teach them to what kind of men? Faithful. faithful men. Faithful men. And then those faithful men will then teach others also. Someone has said this, convictions are more easily caught than they are taught. So if we are, not only do we need to teach convictions, which we're going to do tonight, but our children need to pick up our convictions by what they see us doing and living. Here's a perfect example of Abraham. He said, for I know him that he will command his children and his household. I think this is a key phrase right here. What? After him. Follow me as I follow Christ. After him that they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him, which was the Abrahamic blessing. Listen, do we want our families to be blessed? Yeah, definitely we want them to be blessed. And so as we teach our children convictions and we live out those convictions before them, we can expect God's blessing upon our families. So this was a slide I put up last week. Every Christian husband knows, at least they should know, 
that God has called them to be the spiritual leader of their home. God has not called the wife to be the spiritual leader. A lot of times wives feel like they have to assume that responsibility. We talked about that last week because the husband just will not step up to the plate in that area. But here we find that the head of every man is who? The head of every man is Christ. The head of the woman is man. To protect his family, to lead his family, and then to provide for his family. We talked about this last week, how God created man first. And God placed him in the garden to take care of the garden and gave him tasks to do. And then, then God brought to him a what? Helpmate. A helpmate. It's interesting that the word help here in the Hebrew, which the Old Testament was written in, means to aid or assist. So I want you to think about this because, matter of fact, someone just said to me recently that a certain person doesn't come to Wednesday night services anymore because they don't agree with my teaching on the family. And I'm like, okay, what have I taught about the family that is not substantiated biblically? I mean, I couldn't think of one thing where I kind of like throw out my own ideas and say this, you know, usually I always have a supporting passage of scripture. There are those who do not believe that the husband should take the spiritual leadership of the family. Can I tell you something? They're wrong. They're wrong biblically. When it says here that Eve was given to be Adam's helpmate, it's just a logical assumption that he was in the position of authority. He was the leader and she was to come along and she was to support and she was to help him in the responsibilities that God had given to him. She was to assist him. Thy desire shall be to thy what? Husband, and he shall rule over thee. Now, what are you going to do? Are, are you going to cut that out of the Bible? Are you just going to kind of remove that verse and a lot of others? No. What we're going to do is do it God's way. Amen. Right? So ladies, it is not your response. You are not the head of your home. Your husbands are the head of your home. God established the husband's headship. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is man. You couldn't get any more clear than this. So men, we really need to step up. So as I mentioned earlier, the man's... Uh, Headship is established by his own personal conviction. So what is a conviction? The Bible talks about it quite often. A conviction is a basic scriptural principle which we purpose to follow whatever the cost. Mike mentioned these. Um, <clears throat> I forgot, I mentioned it Sunday. What was, the, what was that? What was the, it was in Nigeria? Were those, were, did anybody follow that on CBN News? Was it Nigeria? came in, killed 300 Christians, and then went to kill the little children. And even those little children had convictions and were willing to be killed for their faith, and then God intervenes. And it's an amazing story. But listen, we need to stand up for our convictions no matter what. 
So then we need to ask ourselves, okay, what are the biblical convictions that I would stand up for, that I would give my life for? Then we find out that a lot of what we believe is just a preference. It's not really a conviction. We just, we would prefer to live this way or we would prefer to do it that way. So a preference is the first choice a person would make in a given situation, but it's not the only choice. So I think we really need to differentiate between what are, what are my convictions and what are my preferences. There's a big difference between the two. And each person has to determine that for himself. So the difference between a preference and a conviction, a conviction will not change. Right? It's steadfast and unmovable. It won't change. You can't get pressured out of your convictions. They're your convictions. A, a, a preference does change. Well, I prefer to do it this way, but, you know, it, it's okay if we do it that way. You can compromise on that. A conviction will be seen in your daily life. A preference may or may not be seen. A conviction will be consistent. A preference may and will vary from time to time based upon the circumstance you find yourself in. So what I want to do right now is I want to quickly skim through the Ten Commandments and then we want to come back to the Ten Commandments and look at them individually to see how personally I believe the Ten Commandments should establish the biblical convictions that we should have in our lives. So let's look at Moses and the Ten Commandments here. Read this with me. No other gods... No other gods before me. I should have no other gods before me. So Christ must have the preeminence in our lives. Amen? Amen. No other gods. Next one. Do not make unto thee any graven images, nor serve them. So the Bible said no man can serve what? Two masters. Do not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. So God's reputation or his name is damaged by personal sin that we allow in our own lives. You know, a lot of times we look at that and we think that's talking about cursing. And I think it can apply to cursing and using the Lord's name in a vulgar way. But I think it more applies to the way we live our lives, to the testimony that we're not taking up the name of the Lord in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and what? keep it holy. We'll talk about that. So assembling together on the Lord's day is not to be forsaken. It's to be a priority with us. Honor thy mother and thy father. Children will honor parents who bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Thou shalt not we say, well we would never do that, but can we destroy a person spiritually? Can we cause a person to stumble? Because of the way we're living our lives? I'm going to go back to this one. <sighs> Alyssa and I were going home after church last Wednesday night. Her and I were together. We were alone in the car. That, that seldom happens. And because we ended last week's lesson on talking about convictions, she shared with me, she said, Dad, I need to start developing some of my own convictions in my life, not just yours and mom's convictions, but my own personal convictions. 
To which I said, amen to that. You can't have mommy and daddy's convictions. They, they have to become yours. And so she brought up going to movies. And I know the, the majority of people in our church go to movies. Many of you go, go to the movie house. But I was raised not to go to movies. Okay? And so she said, Dad, I've, I never have gone to a movie, never will go to a movie, but I don't know why I don't go to movies. She said, why, why do you and Mom not go to movies? I said, well, there's a few reasons. I said, number one, I said, um, even though they may be showing a good movie, one that, which is very rare, but let's say they were showing a good movie, maybe it was even a Christian movie, um, but if I as a pastor go to the movie house, what I am saying is that going to movies is okay. And that could cause someone else to stumble because going to the movie house is not okay because they show mostly really bad, raunchy movies at the movie house. Okay? I can tell some of you right now are under conviction because you go to the movie house. <laughs> I can. I can see it in your face. Those who don't go to movies, they're just smiling, enjoying it. And those that go to the movies, their head is down and they're not looking at pastor. So I could cause someone to stumble. Now everyone's looking at me. <laughs> Too late. Busted. <laughs> I said, another reason is I don't want to support the movie house. I don't want to give them my money. I said, another reason, if there is something that comes on, I can't turn it off. I can't turn the music down. I can't flip the station. I can't or probably wouldn't get up and walk away. I'd be stuck sitting there watching that. That's why I don't go to the movies. All right? So wh here's what I, what I want you to do. I want you to stop and think. Why do I not do the things that I do? Or why do I do the things that I do? Why do other people not do this, but I do do this? I think it's important for you to think through all of this and come up with your own convictions. Like, I will not cause a brother or sister to stumble. It may even be okay. But I'm not going to cause someone who is weak in faith to stumble over something that I will do. I will give up my liberty in that area. The next one, thou shalt not commit <clears throat> adultery. Simply be faithful to the marriage covenant. Right? Protect your marriage. Don't let it be defiled by lust. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not steal. Set your affections on things above. You won't be stealing. Thou shalt not bear false witness. I am always going to tell the truth. Despite what the consequences may be, I'm always going to tell the truth. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not covet. I will learn to be content with the things that the Lord has given me. Now, that was a quick skim through, okay, of the Ten Commandments. <clears throat> the law of the Lord is what? Perfect. Are the Ten Commandments perfect? Absolutely. They're perfect. They're God's rules by which we are to live our lives. All right? So what we need to do is we need to see how do God's rules then apply to our life so I can form the convictions that I need that will be that guiding light in my life. So the Ten Commandments, I believe, form the basis of, or should form the basis of our convictions. Now, I'm going to look at this one a little bit differently and make an application that maybe you do not see, okay? 
But as I look at thou shalt have no other gods before me, what I think of is this perfect book right here. The law of the Lord is what? Is perfect. He is the word. Do you believe that? He is the word. Now, the Bible, and do you, do you believe this right here? The Bible is the inspired word of God and is the final authority for my life. Do you believe that? Yes. How many believe that? Say amen. amen. Okay. We believe that. That's why we're fundamentalists. We believe that. We're not modernists. We're fundamentalists. When you reject inspiration, matter of fact, I was, has anyone here the past few nights on History Channel uh, they've had on the Bible. Have anybody been watching that? They have on the Bible, and then I think last night was on the life of Christ, and they were narrating back and forth, kind of going through it. And first of all, let me say this. Why can't they just stick with the Bible? <laughs> you know? They add all these things, and they take all these things out, and you're going, that's not what it says in the Bible. And if, unless you know, Aaron and I were talking about unless you know your Bible, you wouldn't even know that that's wrong. But they had these men that they would show a scene and these men would come up and describe the scene. And uh, so this, this was when Jesus was in the inn. Or, or, or there was no, with Joseph went, there was no room for them in the inn. This, this guy goes, really, that is a misinterpretation. Uh, it really wasn't an end. It was a relative's home they went to. And when they went to their relative's home, um, Every room was full, and they didn't have any room for them, and so their relatives said they could stay like down in the basement where they kept some of the animals. I'm like, he was some professor at some college. And I'm like, you are an idiot. <laughs> there was no room for them in the end. When you reject inspiration, what this guy did, he, would, he, re, he was rejecting inspiration. He was saying, the Bible is wrong, and I have a better thought here. When you reject inspiration, you make your own mind God. Do you see why I say that? What you do is you set your own mind and your own reasoning above the word of God. I'm smarter than God. And so your own mind becomes your personal God. That's why it's so important that you, you embrace the inspiration of Scripture. There are no mistakes in our Bible. Amen. If you think there's mistakes, those mistakes are in your mind. They're not in the Word of God. I'll never apologize for that. Because the carnal mind is what? Enmity against God. The carnal mind says... We don't have an inspired word and sets its intellect above God. Well, I want you to know we do have an incorruptible word. The Bible calls it the incorruptible seed which liveth and abideth forever. Incorruptible means it does not perish. Look at what the Bible says about God's word. It says, the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them. What will he keep? His word. 
Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation for how long? Forever. So do you have in your, in your hand the preserved word of God? Absolutely. Not to believe that elevates your intellect as the God. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. His truth endured to all generations. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness unto all generations. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. I could keep on going and going and going. Now, either that is true or it's not. So when someone tells me that we do not have an inspired, preserved, authoritative, without error word, I'm going to say to them, listen, you are setting yourself up as God over his word. It's, it's serious. We don't take this as serious, but it is serious. So God has very clearly promised to preserve his words. He promised to preserve his counsels. And he promised to preserve his thoughts. And we have it right there. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Amen. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. What was Satan's attack in the garden? On the word of God. Yea, hath God said. As soon as you begin to doubt the word of God and you elevate your own reasoning above the scriptures, I'm going to tell you, you're in trouble. Amen. You're in trouble. The direction Satan can take you, it's very scary. Number two. Do not make any graven images, nor serve them. So we as Baptists say, okay, we're not Roman Catholics. We don't bow down to images and kiss the toes of idols and worship Mary. We don't, we don't do that. <clears throat> but I think we need to have a conviction that my purpose in life is to seek the Lord with my whole heart and to build my goals around his priorities. Amen? Should not that become a conviction by which we live our lives? I'm not going to serve anything other than the Lord Jesus in my life. Now, I don't understand idolatry. I don't understand why people are so drawn to the worship of idols and things. But idolatry is a sin that's deeply rooted in the human heart. We walk by faith and not by what? Sight. We don't need an idol that we have to look at in order to worship. John said this, Dear children, keep yourselves from what? From idols. So what can an idol be? Yes, I know, we're independent fundamental Baptists. We don't have idols. We don't bow down to idols. But can't we make an application of this to our life? An idol occupies the place of our esteem, our affections, our thoughts, our words, our ways, our dependence, our reliance, our worship, and our devotedness, which is due only to God. So you know what that tells me? That tells me there's a lot of things that we can make an idol. That we can serve and really give our heart to. And live for. 
We have to make this decision. What am I going to live for? Am I going to live for the things of this world or am I going to live for the Lord? Which one? A double-minded man is what? Unstable in all of his ways. Whatever is to us what the Lord alone should be has become an idol. This song, take the world but give me Jesus. Take the world but give me Jesus. All its joys are but a name, but his love abideth ever through eternal years the same. Take the world but give me Jesus. Sweet comfort of my soul with my Savior watching o'er me I can sing though billows roll. Take the world but give me Jesus. Let my views uh, be, uh, let, his, let me view his constant smile. Then throughout my pilgrim journeys, light will cheer me all the while. Take the world, but give me Jesus. In his cross, my trust shall be. Till with clearer, brighter vision, face to face, my Lord, I see. Oh, the heights and depths of mercy. Oh, the length and breadth of love. Oh, the fullness of redemption. Pledge of endless life above. Number three, do not take the name of the Lord thy God, what? In vain. That means our body is to be a living temple of God, must not be defiled by the lust of this world because that will damage our testimony for the Lord. Is it important for us to have a good testimony? It certainly is. We are to have sound speech that cannot be condemned. Are people listening to the way we talk? Yes. Absolutely. We are to have a pure conscience. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil against you as evildoers, they may be what? A shame that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. So we need to have sound speech and we need to have a pure or a good conscience. We need to have a testimony that we're not ashamed of and that the Lord's not ashamed of. Let me ask you a question tonight. How's your testimony? How's your testimony? The Bible says, for I am not ashamed. Are you ashamed of the Lord? I came across this today. I, th I thought this was, was excellent. It says, great faith is a product of great fights. Stop and think about that. Great faith is a product of great fights. Fight a good fight of faith. A great testimony are the outcome of great test. the trying of your faith. Hmm. And then great triumphs can only come out of great trials. Isn't that good? Stop and think about that. Great testimonies are the outcome of great test. Are you passing the test? How's your testimony? My dad used to always say this, everybody has a testimony. I can't tell you how many times I heard my dad say that. Everybody has a testimony. Either you have a 
good testimony or you have a bad testimony, but everybody has a testimony. Is it your conviction to have a good testimony? Things to think about. Let's go to number four. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it what? Is it your conviction to be in the Lord's house on the Lord's day? Many, many Christians. I mean, in fact, I mentioned this Sunday. How that because we are becoming more and more unfaithful to church, it appears like attendance has really dropped. And attendance has really dropped in the church. There's no, there's no doubt about that. But one of the reasons it appears like attendance has dropped is because people are more and more unfaithful than they used to be. It used to be they always went to church. Now they may go to church once a month or twice a month or, you know, hit and miss. This commandment is still in the Bible, church. So our conviction should be, I will be faithful in attendance and service in my local church. The doors are open. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be in church. Now, again, a lot of folks don't have this conviction. I wish more did. I've preached on it my entire ministry and been ineffective. Totally ineffective in trying to convince people to keep the Lord's Day holy. I have failed. We also should believe that our church must teach the foundational truths of the Bible and re reinforce my basic convictions. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, Sunday, I'm going to talk about how should we behave ourselves in church. I have 19 things. <laughs> You're going to enjoy Sunday's message. It's going to be funny. It's going to laugh. We're going to laugh. We're going to have a good time. But we'll probably be convicted a little bit too. But one of the things... When a church no longer holds to the fundamental truths of the Bible, you know what God says? Get out of that church. Come out of her, my people. You have to have this as a conviction. I'm going to be faithful to church, and my church must faithfully teach the fundamentals of the faith. I mean, listen to me, church. It doesn't take long for a church to flip. Let's, let's look at this. It's the longest of all the commandments. Sometimes I think the reason it's the longest is because God's really trying to drill this point home and he knew, God knew how this commandment above all of them would be violated. But remember this Sabbath day. These are commandments within a commandment. Keep it what? Holy. Six days shall thou labor and do all thy work. Have you ever noticed that no longer do we honor the Sabbath day and our men are being forced to work on the Lord's Day. I don't know if you could be forced to work. I guess you always have a decision. I guess if it was your conviction. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. Number four commandment within the commandment. In it thou shalt not do any work, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor the stranger that is in thy gates. For example, for in six days the Lord made 
earth and the sea and all in them is in the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he hallowed it. He's our example. Now I don't know, but how do you get around this? This is the very first Sabbath law that was erected in the colony of Virginia in 1610. This is, this is how our country used to be, and then we used to ha- then from this, all of, our, all of our states had Sabbath laws. Later on, they called them blue laws. But this, 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 this is amazing. Every man and woman shall repair in the morning to divine services and sermons preached on the Sabbath day. That was Sunday. It was their Sabbath. And in the afternoon, we have evening service. And in the afternoon service, upon pain for the first fault to lose their provision of the allowance for the whole week following. So you would lose one whole week's salary if you were caught not being in church. That was for the first fault. For the second offense, to lose the said allowance and also be whipped. For the third offense, you were put to death. Is that amazing? So what do we do today on the Lord's Day? Now, are you, I'm not saying that we should do this. If we did that, we'd have a lot of members wouldn't be around any longer. <laughs> Well, that emptied our church out right there. (laughs) But think of all the things we do and we don't keep the Lord's day holy. You know why? Because it's not a conviction anymore. You don't see many signs like this anymore, do you? Number five, well, we're only halfway through. Honor thy father and thy mother. Of course, the New Commandment says, the New Testament says, This is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live a long life on the earth. So important to honor your mother and your father. So that means my children and my grandchildren belong to God. It's my responsibility to teach them scriptural principles, godly character and seek to build into their life biblical convictions. I hope my children will catch the convictions I have and then pass them on to the next generation. Thou shalt not what? See, I'm not going to kill anyone. All right, let's make an application of this. How about causing a person to become weak in their faith or cause them to stumble? because of the way we're living our lives. Stop right now and just, okay, let me me say this to you. Do you think that I should drink alcohol? 
How, how, many, how many would say, Pastor, you shouldn't be drinking? Can I see your hand if you think Pastor should be drinking? Okay. See, there's a couple of you who think it's okay if I drink, okay? Um, can you argue with someone over should we or should we not drink alcohol? Daniel had a whole, how many weeks did you spend on that? Three? Just two. Just two? What the Bible says about drinking. Did, oops. Did an excellent job. But the truth is, even with all that great teaching that you gave on that, Daniel, people still argue. You know why they do? Because they want to drink. Okay? But let's take that all away. Two people arguing, okay, why should I not drink? Besides the Bible says I shouldn't. Why shouldn't I drink? Absolutely. So if it's going to be, if I, if it's going, if I shouldn't do it, then why should you? I mean, to me, that just resolves the whole thing. If you don't think the pre preacher should, then you probably shouldn't do it either. Can definitely cause someone to stumble. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Marriage is a lifelong commitment to God and to our marriage partner. We cannot defile our marriages through lust. Alyssa walked into the office when I had that picture. She goes, ooh, that's an awful picture. <laughs> but isn't that just like the devil to grab our eyelids, Right? And cause them to look at things that we shouldn't look at. I talked about this with our teens today. I've, I've had the teens uh, for this revival. I have so enjoyed being with our teens. They, our teens, are awesome. Their participation in our discussions, their insight has been amazing. Really, spending this week with them has really elevated them in my eyes. But this is one of the things we talked about, is this technological age in which we live. The, I don't know if I shared this with you, I shared it with the kids. The number one question that was asked of me in the Philippines when I did the marriage seminar was, what do we do about our young people's cell phones? Our, our, all of our young people have cell phones. And those, those cell phones connect them to the world. Everything you can imagine is available through those cell phones. But the Bible says, flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, purity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a what kind of heart? Pure heart. Thou should not commit adultery. Keep your heart pure. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh at a woman, if you're a woman, looketh after a man to lust after him or her, hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. We have to guard our eyes. Job said this. He said, I made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? I'm not going to think those laws. I'm going to cast down those imaginations. Listen, we have so much today through the computer, don't we? Through that visual stimulus through the computer, through the cell phone. It's just like Satan just reaches out and just grabs it. We've got to be so, so careful. This has not changed. 
marriage is honorable and all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will what? God will judge. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Be faithful to your marriage vows. Amen? Be, faith, be faithful to your marriage vows. Thou shalt not bear false witness. My words must always be truthful, must always be in harmony with God's word. I will always seek to be honest in all my business dealings. I will refrain from gossip, from slander, from evil speaking, giving evil reports about others. I'm just not going to do it. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Have we all been guilty of this? It has to become a conviction with us. I am not going to listen. Solomon said, death and life are in the power of the what? Tongue. The tongue can build someone up and give them life, and the tongue can tear someone down and completely destroy them. Out of the same fountain proceeds uh, bitter and sweet water. James says, this ought not to be. The tongue. Oh, I wanted to spend more time on this. It's already 8 o'clock. The Bible talks about cutting words from a friend. Cutting words. You know, a friend is someone who's real close to you that... <clears throat> Has anyone ever had a friend just stab them, like with a knife? There's cutting words. There's piercing words. Piercing words come from an enemy. They're like an, an arrow. They're shot from a distance. One is close range. The other is a distant Piercing words. Bible talks about poison words. Someone poisons you. Bible talks about defiling words. Gossip is defiling. We've all done it. We all get drawn into it. But it's got to become our conviction. When we hear gossip, we shut it down. Someone asked me the other day, how do I stop hearing gossip? Just say, I don't want to hear it. Let's all say that. I don't want to hear it. Say it with me. That wasn't hard, was it? We talk about gossip. Guys, I'm frozen. The Bible talks about slander. When you slander someone's character and someone's reputation by saying something bad about them. Guys, I'm still frozen. Come on. Evil speaking. Speak evil of someone. A whisper. You've all seen people whispering, right? Spreading evil reports. It's amazing how much the Bible talks about this. Being a tail bearer, being a backbiter. We have to have convictions. Now I'm going to ask you a question. Is gossip, is it as bad as blasphemy and idolatry? 
the Bible puts gossip in the same category. Romans chapter 1, verse 27 through verse 32. I don't have time to read this, all this whole passage. But there in the middle of sodomy, blasphemy, all these other terrible sins are being a whisper and a backbiter. Let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. What a beautiful prayer we need to pray. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Amen, church. Thumper. This is the wisdom of thumper. I should have Ben. Ben Ben can probably sound just like Thumper. I should have him uh, read this. But if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. That was terrible, wasn't it? (laughs) Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. Number nine, thou shalt not what? Thou shalt not steal. Obviously, first thing we think of is money, and so our money is a trust from God. It must be earned and managed according to scriptural principles. We need to learn to be content with the things that God has given us. If we're content, we won't be stealing. And whatsoever state we're in, therewith be content. Thou therefore, which teaches another... Teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? It's an interesting question, isn't it? How many of you parents have taught your children not to steal? Come on. But how many of us are stealing? You say, preacher, I'm not a stealer. Oh, never taking anyone else's money. How about someone else's wealth? How about someone else's possessions? How about when you borrow something, you break it, and you bring it back, but you never replace it? How about stealing work? How about stealing someone's reputation? How about stealing someone's purity? How about stealing someone's identity? We have a lot of that today, don't we? How about stealing someone's time? How about stealing someone's heart? Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. I think there's a whole lot of ways that we can steal, but we don't see it as stealing. Will a man rob God? having our pastor's fellowship here this was probably a year and a half ago one of the pastors shared with me that shared with us around the table she really need to pray about this there was a man someone in the church which was this 
pastor's son had put $700, $700 bills in the offering plate. Okay? And when the offering was counted, there was no $100 bills in the offering plate. One of the men who were the ushers that Sunday saw that wad of $100 bills and took it and stuck it in his pocket. Now, they ended up catching the guy that did it. How many of you would say that is horrible to steal out of the offering plate? Can I see your hand? Is it, is it any different? When we don't tithe? It really isn't any different. I mean, we were all aghast. Right? There wasn't any pastors there that we ever knew anyone had ever stolen out of the offering. That was a first for us. And that was horrifying to us. But let, let me see right now. How many of you say there, there's been times when I haven't tithed? Can I see your hand? Be honest. Look at that. Look at all the thieves we have here in the church. Thou shalt not covet. My affections must be set on things above and not on the things of this world. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, nor thy neighbor's wife, nor thy manservant, his maidservant, his ox, his ass, or say it with me, anything that is thy neighbor's. Thou shalt not covet. The love of money is the root of what? All evil. Well, some having coveted after. Love not the world, neither the things. The things. Boy, do we have the things that can so quickly turn our heart away from the Lord. This is, this is our life's verse for our church. I think that's such a precious, precious picture of a father's hands and an older child and then a baby. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundation of many generations and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach. We have, we have some breaches to repair and the restorer of the paths to dwell in. Don't you think we ought to get back to the Ten Commandments? Amen, church. And ask God to help us build our convictions in life based upon his perfect law. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.